we definitely want to be doing that here. Um, do you remember who you are? You are a chosen people, a royal, a holy, a people, precious, you're, you're God's precious possession. A few of you know who you are, right? What we just quoted is, uh, is out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 8. Yeah, you are a, you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a people, no, God's uh, precious possession is, is what that passage says. And so we've been walking here through First uh, uh, Peter, and in that third chapter, the 18th verse, it clearly identifies how we become a chosen people, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a, a God's special possession. It is through Jesus, our suffering Savior. That's what verse 18 of chapter 3 says. It is through Jesus, the suffering Savior. He, he is the one who is righteous, and he died on behalf of the unrighteous. Uh, and I've, I find it very unique how Peter says he brings you to God. He brings you to God. Our connection with God the Father comes through that suffering Savior. And in our passage today, he actually begins with that picture of the suffering Savior. Chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 1. If you want to follow along, I, I would love for you to follow along. So if you have your Bibles, open them. If you have your devices, it's okay to do that now. I know there's a football game on now, so I'm watching you real close, okay? What, what is it? Uh, I can't even remember who's playing, but I know someone's playing in Germany. So it started at 830 so, so if anybody says amen or yells out of place, I know what you're doing, okay? But anyway, so, so we're at uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses, and we're actually going to read through uh, 1, 1 through 11. I am going to divide it here and, and, and stop and, and do a little describing. But first of all, again, re remember we're talking about the suffering Savior as we begin in chapter 4. It begins with this, therefore... Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human evil desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. I want to stop there and just unpack real quick those first six verses. We've seen some of this already. Peter has talked about some of the details and, and maybe even in some ways repeating. Uh, here, here's a phrase in what we just read that I think is important to bring out. Done with sin. 
That, did you see that in that first verse? Done with sin. Uh, Paul actually says you are dead to sin, but Peter comes along in different words and he says you're done with sin. Matter of fact, well, how are we done with sin? Well, actually, the one who's done with sin is Jesus. Go back to that verse 18. You know, he said that, that Jesus had to face those sins once. In, in verse 18 of chapter 3, once, one time, he, he went to the cross, bore that load of sin on our behalf, and he, he didn't have to do it again. He, you see, in Jesus' perspective, he is done with sin. And, and in that verse, Peter says that you ought to have that same attitude. That, that you, if, if you're in Jesus, you need to have that same attitude working in you. I'm done with sin. Jesus bore that load of even my sin upon the cross. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. That's the attitude of, of the, the believer in Christ. Matter of fact, in, in, in verse 2, he goes on to say, no longer are we living by earthly or, or, or by evil worldly desires. We're not living by, as Paul would say, fleshly lust or, or, or sinful desires. We're not living according to that anymore. What are we living according to? God's will or the will of God, right? We're, we're, that, that's, that's our lives today. Even though the world around us continues in their sinfulness, matter of fact, Peter goes on and says, man, they're looking at you and wondering, or they're surprised that you're not continuing to live such things along with them. And, and there might be ridicule or mocking or, or anything like that going on, right? But because you've chosen to follow after God instead of the, the things of this world, but to live his will, you're not involved in those things anymore. And, and when he says that, he says there's judgment coming. There's judgment coming. There's judgment coming for the living and the dead. When he says that, it kind of reminds me of 3, 19 and 20, that, that, that kind of where Jesus actually goes back and proclaims, you know, this, this, uh, this, this fact that he suffered and that sins have been done away and there's victory and, and it's still a message that we have today. Uh, he, he says that, matter of fact, that the dead, the dead haven't escaped anything. You know, say, well, they're dead. They, you know, how are they going to face judgment? Well, he reminds them, you know, everyone is going to face that judgment, the living and the dead. Judgment's coming. I, I want to pick up verse 7 now and read the rest of the way, 7 through 11. It's where we're going to put our focus, but I want us to get those couple of things in there. We're done with sin. We're living according to the will of God. And there's judgment coming. In the, in the beginning, verse 7, here's what he says. 7, he says, the end of all things is near. Have we seen that before? We've heard that. We know that's happening, right? The end of all things is near. That's kind of a, a turning point here for Peter. He says, this is how we're living. This is who we are. And, and he lays out that message of the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 
If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. That's, uh, that, that's the concluding words that, that Peter has for us today in, in 7 through 11. Again, the end is near. And, and along with that idea of the end is near, uh, again, we are living according to God's will. Not the things of this world, but living according to God's will. And I believe Peter has this message for us today, that we're to live God's will in the time we have left. We, we have the opportunity to live God's word today until Jesus returns. Um, there, there are two keys to aligning with God's will in these days that, that I think Peter lists for us. I think there's numerous things we can be involved in, but specifically what is Peter telling us to do in these last days as we live God's will? Number one is pray. Number one is pray. Real simple. I, I, I believe that prayer is purposeful and effective. Uh, again, verse, in, in verse uh, uh, 7, it says, Therefore, be alert and sober mind so that you may pray. When I say purposeful, I mean it's something that we are gaining. There, there's something that's, that's happening as we're praying. It's not just something that we speak words and, and there's nothing that comes of it. Uh, there's something that we gain out of it. And effective in this sense that we are connecting ourselves with God. We're aligning ourselves with God and through prayer. That's important. That's important. I believe it has everything to do with us growing in our relationship with God. Now, Peter writes these words as we approach prayer. It is about being alert and sober-minded. Alert and sober-minded. Let me, let me take those two words. First of all, alert. Uh, another word for alert is self-controlled. Or a word that, that might help us even understand better is it means you're sane. Uh, you approach God uh, sane, not insane, okay? Don't lose your minds as, as you're speaking before God. Uh, and, the, and the idea of being sane is not to think of yourselves way up here uh, upon some pedestal. You know, people who would stand there and repeat over and over again, hey, we are chosen people. We are a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and, and we are the special possession of God, you know. Uh, is it okay to say those things over and over again? I think it's important we know who we are, but we can't think of ourselves too highly. Matter of fact, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, here's what Paul says. Paul says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. There's the second word. In accordance with the faith God has distributed each of you. Why should we be humble when we have such titles? Don't forget verse 10 that follows that. Hey, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you did not have mercy, but now you have mercy. So how did, how did we earn that? How did we earn such a, a, a respectable and a great position? Well, we didn't, right? 3 verse 18 is because of a suffering Savior. It's because of Jesus. Uh, the, the way we approach God, I, uh, our identity has changed, but it is absolutely humble 
before God. Isn't that right? It, it is, I, I think that is, that is coming before God with, with clear thinking when we approach him humbly. So when we pray, do, do not forget to approach him humbly. Because if it weren't for what God has done through Jesus, we have no identity in him. We have no identity in him. Matter of fact, make that part of your praise. Make that part, the words we just spoke, you can lift that up before God. Lord, this is who I am. And, and, and do you not realize, I don't deserve this position. I don't, I don't deserve this identity, but you did it through Jesus because of your tremendous love. Thank you, God, right? And, and, and at the same time, another sane or, or insane place would be to, to continue to grovel and and and. and be on our knees and on our face and just say, oh, Lord, I am a sinner and forget, and we've done it every day. It is that perspective that I'm not worthy and, and things like that. We need to understand that God has brought us to a position of forgiveness. And, and he's lifted us up. We can't be uh, dragging ourselves around. We need to understand who we are because we belong to him. Humble position but not so lowly that we can't pick ourselves up or we can't be picked up, I should say. Be sober-minded. So, you know, when I say sober, we definitely mean not intoxicated, not out of our minds, but clear-minded is important for us to understand. Peter Davids, one of the books I've been reading, says prayer is not an opiate, uh, opiate or, or escape instead of a, a function of clear vision and a seeking of clear vision from God. Basically what it's saying, it's not, a, it's not something that we escape from. You know, the things in this world we escape from and, and, and run away from. Uh, prayer is a means to engage the things, the things that I'm dealing with along with a God who, who knows me well and, and wants to direct me and guide me through this life. It, it is clear-minded. It is under control that we approach him in prayer. When we pray, it requires that, that opportunity to be humble before God always, but also to be genuine. How important is that? Prayer is something I'll just personally tell you prayer is something that I have grown up in and continue to grow as I as I mature in Christ my prayer life has changed and it has become not and I'm not talking about just in the matter of time things like that but but the content of which I'm praying before the Lord and, and the and the things that I've dealt with in the past as we were sharing our testimonies uh, here about a week ago with the elders uh as, as I was just sharing, there, there's specific times I could say in my life that, that were significant where God was changing me. And both of those had something to do with prayer in my life. One prayer was, was even as a teenager, young as a teenager, just began to pray, God, make me hungry for your word. Make me thirsty for your word. I think it was just from that place of someone mentioning, uh, I think it was a song or something like that, talking about thirsting for God's word. And that made sense to me. Uh, the scriptures was so foreign to me and so difficult to read and I just didn't grasp it. And I, that was really concerned because this was the word of God and I'm not connecting with it. So I, I remember and, and each, each of these times that, that I spent time in prayer 
was significant time. I, we're talking, I, I, I think it was months, maybe even a couple of years of just consistently praying, God, make me hungry for your word. And, uh, and over time, gradually, gradually, uh, and, and I believe still, uh, there is that growing desire to know and understand and to read his word. He answered that. Another place in my life where I began to, to pursue God was, and I don't know where this came from. I don't know whether it's a song or someone's message or just the fact that as I went before God in prayer, I felt a need for a softened heart. So I just, <laughs> for, for quite a while, we were at the youth home at the time, and just for quite some time, again, I know it was more than weeks, more than months, that I, I just prayed, God, soften my heart. I just felt this cold and this, this uh, calloused man that I was. And, and I, you know, I began to think, well, the Holy Spirit was kind of working on me and identifying that within me. You know, he prays for you and, and, and lifts requests up. If you don't know what to pray for yourself, he's covering those bases for you. Uh, anyway, and that as well, you know, over a period of time, over certain things, the softening of the heart, I could identify clearly when those things happened. Uh, what are you praying for? Hey, th those things were in, in me and my relationship with God, you know, I, I, to, to grow in that relationship. Part of the things you ought to be praying for is that relationship you have with God. Uh, make sure that you're, you're learning the scriptures or reading the scriptures. Uh, whether a lesson or a sermon on Sunday, take those things, write those things down. What is speaking to your heart? Maybe from Peter. What's been speaking to your heart? Are you making that a part of prayer? Uh, see, God wants to engage with us. When I say that, that prayer is part of connecting with God and building relationship with him, that just makes so much sense. I know. And, and you think, well, it's so one-sided. God you know, just listens and we just speak. I, I believe it's very two-way if you're involved in the scriptures. If you're involved in the scriptures, listening to what he says, and, has, and he might have so much more for you as you're praying, directing, guiding. I believe that's where our strength comes from. I believe that's where our guidance comes through from. So uh, when you come to church on Sunday from 9 to 10, or, or 10 to 11, plan on praying right? Just during that time. <laughs> oh, you, you know I'm pulling your leg, right? That, that idea of you being able to, to pray is so important. Matter of fact, if, if you're uncomfortable with prayer, I, I would encourage you. We're, we're uh, uh, doing things discipleship-wise, but maybe, maybe some of you are just, I, I just don't know how to pray. How do I begin? How to, if you're at that place, I encourage you to find someone that you respect and, and begin to say, hey, you know, I really need to develop this area of prayer in my life. And, and so be in pursuit of what it means to pray. Uh, it really is simple. And, and maybe just a couple of verses or something like that shared with you might help you get you started or at least maybe even get you from the place where your prayers are, are stale or ineffective to, to moving them forward to something that is genuine and, and as what I said, purposeful and, and effective before God. The second key to aligning with God is in that verse, begins in that verse, verse 8, talking about love one another or love for each other. 
And, and I know you say, love again? You're, you're going to bring this out. Can't we skip over this love part? Uh, it, you know, Peter's already said it. Peter said it in chapter 1, right? He came up there, he said, hey, listen, through Christ we have this capacity to, to have love and to be able to love sincerely, love one another sincerely. And then he goes ahead and moves forward and says, do it deeply, love earnestly, love one another earnestly. In the passage, in that verse 8, he says, above all. What does he mean above all? I mean, hey, before prayer and everything? No, I don't think so. Uh, the fact is, is that Jesus talked about how we need to love others. Uh, Paul talks about loving others. Wherever we go in the scriptures, we're being talk, told to love one another. Uh, matter of fact, I, I tell you what, I would not need to preach if we were doing that perfectly. I don't, I don't know what we, where we would go in scripture uh, if, if, if you had the capacity of loving just like Jesus did. We, we would be rocking this, this community if we were loving the way Jesus called us to. So we will preach about loving one another again until we get it right. Are you all with me? Oh, okay, okay. You're going to work on it? <laughs> I, some of you are loving very well. I don't, I don't want to take away from what love that, that is so evident within this congregation. Some of you are doing it very well. Some, uh, some are growing in that, and that's been evident. But to love the way Jesus loved, to love the way Jesus loved, to sacrifice the way Jesus sacrificed, oh man, we got a ways to go, don't we? So, so I encourage you in that. He, he adds this to that phrase that love covers a multitude of sins. What does he mean? We think about what God has done for us. Definitely God has covered a multitude of sins through his love by sending Jesus, Right? Through, through Jesus coming, he has covered a multitude of sins. That's not what it's referring to here. I, I believe what, what Peter's talking about is the love that you are called to have for others. It, it, is, it is a love that will what? Forgive. That the mercy that God's given to us, guess what? We need to learn to have that capacity to be merciful as well and to learn to be forgiving of others, those around us. Or, or even to overlook the faults of others uh, that, that we set in Sunday service. Or, or anyone who is a believer in Christ. We need to have that capacity of, of loving, uh, for, of forgiving or overlooking those things in other, other people's lives. Peter talks about, or no, actually Paul talks about love in that 1 Corinthians 13. You're familiar with it? That, that uh, uh, talking about love, the absolutes of love. Love is patient, love is kind, all those. In verse 5, it says, love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs, especially that. Oh, sometimes we're pretty good at keeping record of wrongs. We tend to. Man, if we're hurt or, or we've been affected in some way by someone else, it's easy to keep record of wrongs. And, 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 you know, the difficult thing is to be forgiving. But again, Jesus has done that on our behalf. It is a valuable virtue that we're called to. Uh, and and that, that, man, we, we need to learn how to face, even in the times of 
the worst troubles that we face. You know, Peter is talking to a group of people that are, that are currently facing persecution, and that's going to be increasing for them. And they're called, that, that doesn't mean set this love aside uh, during times of persecution. It means, man, no, continue in these things of prayer and loving one another. In verse 10, uh, actually, Peter here uh, in, in chapter 1 just identifies, hey, tells us to love and love deeply, love one another deeply. Here in chapter 4, he gives us some ideas of what that love looks like. Uh, in, in that next verse, he talks about hospitality. Hospitality. Um, hospitality was very much needed in that time when Peter was writing. Uh, we, we know that Paul himself was traveling as well as Peter and, and many of the apostles were, were even trained by Jesus when, when Jesus sent out the disciples you know, beforehand. So, so G, they got a taste of what it was going to be like from ta- traveling from city to city proclaiming the gospel. And they were going to have to find someone to stay with. So the doors had to be open for teachers, uh, for, for apostles, definitely for apostles, and, and others who were traveling from different cities. Matter of fact, hospitality is going to have to increase as, as persecution increases. We know it got rough in Rome, and, and many of the Christians from Rome uh, had to move and, and go somewhere else. And, and uh, you know, there's, there's not like the uh, uh, Marriott or... or or Super 8 or, or any of those places available in those times. Uh, there were places where they could stay, but were they safe? Or were they safe for believers? The, the people were encouraged to show hospitality because of those who were traveling. Now today, uh, we do have Super 8s, we have Marriott's and things like that. I know in the past we've had, uh, we used to have a school of missions and, and some of the missionaries, each of the missionaries would go home and stay with individuals here. So I'd say there's still a place even in this age of hospitality. But the great thing that we need to know about hospitality being said here, why, why are they being told, hey, don't grumble about this, is because this was not easy. This, this meant personal sacrifice to have someone come into your home, stay in your home, and share your food. A, a lot of the families then, uh, when they ate, were eating uh, hand to mouth. You know, meaning, meaning whatever they could get for that day is what they would eat. Uh, they didn't have refrigerators and other things like that. So, for, so providing other mouths for your family or along with your family was a, a sacrifice of love. It, it, it was not easy. It was a costly act of love. So the positive aspect of hospitality, that's something that, that we ought to look at, is, is the fact that in hospitality, moving, having someone come into your home or something like that, increased better uh, communication. I mean, amongst churches, uh, it tied churches together as, as they served uh, each other. They, they met others' needs. It built... Uh, uh, a better communication amongst congregations. So, so if, if another church was in need, another church would pick up that need and, and help, or families within that church would help. And that was positive. It's still positive today. We need to have hearts that are hospitable. I actually talked with Eric earlier this week. Is, isn't that an attitude? 
It, it is an attitude that we have, a welcoming kind, that welcoming kind of attitude that, that hey, when it comes to my stuff, you know, I'm not so protect my stuff. If, if you need a place to stay, I've got an extra room. If you need to borrow a car, you know, I've got, I've got an extra car. I'm not throwing out offers to everybody. I'm just kind of trying to make a point. But anyway, um, but, you know, uh, Bridget, it's funny because Bridget, who's not here this morning, Bridget Von Spreckelson said one time, said, if the apocalypse comes, I want to come stay at the Roberts because she saw the, how loaded our freezer was. And there's just two of us, you know. So we, we have food to share and things like that. And praise God for that, Right. We're, we're going to be th revealing how thankful we are for God's provisions, what he's given to us. What are you doing with it? What are you, what are you doing with what God has blessed you with? Are, are you using it well? Matter of fact, that moves on to this verse 10. Hospitality uh, is a gift. It's, it's one of the gifts that's listed in verse in verse 10, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. When it says gift, we're talking about a spiritual gift within you, not your stuff. I mean, you want to share that too, but there is, there is a gift in this within you. If the Holy Spirit is indwelling you, you are gifted within. What is that gift? Do you know what it is? Do you know how you could serve others through that gift? That's what he's talking about here. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Uh, being a faithful stu stu uh, steward, uh, Jesus told the parable of the, the, the faithful or the, the stewards. And, and each one he gave you know, a gift or or it was a certain amount of money, it seemed like, and, and he was going to go away. And, and uh, in, in that time while he was gone, they were to use that and be productive with it. There was one who buried it, remember that? Who just buried it in a hole and said, man, I was worried about you, so I just buried it. So I, here it is, I give it back to you. Found, found, found himself real proud of that. And, and he was the one that was so condemned because he only hid it. In, in this life, man, God has given us a gift through his Holy Spirit. Do you know what that is? We have groups right now in pursuing that, fostering the family of God, who, who are actually going through and looking at, you know, what is that possibility of the gift, trying to identify those gifts that we have, and then beginning to ask the question, how can I use this giftedness on his behalf? How can I use this gift? Now listen, when it comes to a gift, it's not to glorify me. It's not to glorify yourself with a gift or to be showy or anything like that. Ultimately, what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is, is that that giftedness is given to do what? To build up the body of Christ. It is there to serve each other. It's there to meet needs. It's, it's for no other reason. No, somebody doesn't even have to recognize your gift. You need to engage yourself with that gift and serve others through that. Uh, what's, what's so fascinating in this? L let me read verse 11. 
Uh, here's, here's a couple of gifts in there. There's, there's gifts of speaking. You know, there's, there's prophecy and there's, there's teaching and there's other things there where, where messages are delivering. But here's, here's what it says. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Now, if you're gifted in, in, in delivering that message of God, guess what? It needs to be the very words of God, meaning they need to speak the truths from the Scripture. It needs to be uh, applied through the Scriptures. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Why? Why? Why is it so important to understand that God has gifted us so that in all things God may praise, be praised through Jesus Christ? He saved us. Through to, to that place where we're just done with sin, and so we live different lives, and then he's gifted us to do what? To worship him. And how do we worship him? Well, we come on Sunday morning from 10 to 11, and we sit in pews, and we sing praises. Then God's praised, right? That's not what that verse says. That's not what, matter of fact, is as you identify the gift in this that he has given you through his spirit and you engage in serving others through that gift, then through Christ, because that's how you have that Holy Spirit, then through Christ, guess what? God receives the praise. Then through Christ, God receives the praise. This, this is good worship. I love this. I love coming together. I love singing praises before God and the songs that Eric chooses. I love doing that. I love doing that together. I love doing that uh, corporately. Uh, but throughout the week, did you know you had the opportunity to give him praise? It, it happens in your activities. You find out what that gift is. It doesn't have to be contained from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock. I mean, even a teacher or, or someone who serves or, or someone who, who has that healing, you know, or, or, or another gift of giving or, or so many other gifts that's listed within the scriptures. How, how can I engage that throughout the week instead of just from 10 to 11 on Sunday mornings? That, I mean, that takes some thinking. I tell you what, it takes some praying. God, Lord, Help me to see clearly what my gift is. Help me to see how I could effectively use that on behalf of your people to serve them, to serve them well. We need to be good stewards of what God has given us through the Holy Spirit. We need to live God's will with the time we have left. The end is near. I, I mentioned that before. How close could it be? You know, I've, I, I hear it often throughout my life. I'm old enough that I, we've gone through several crises. And every time a crisis comes along, every time a crisis comes along, you know, there's that message. Oh, man, Jesus must be coming soon. And I hear it today. And I believe every time it happens, I believe it's right. Okay, we, we're looking for Jesus. We're looking for Jesus. Actually, the message of, of the church is, hey, he could come in any day. No matter what, what, uh, what's happening around us, we are looking and anticipating the return of Christ, right? And the only reason it hasn't happened yet is because God is patient. You know what it is? You know how the rest of that verse goes? Not wanting anyone to perish, but everybody to come to repentance. And guess what? If we really truly believe that, that, that uh, Jesus is coming soon, as Peter says, we ought to get busy. 
We, we, we need to get busy. There's, there's some folks around us who don't know Jesus. They're continuing in the ways of this world. Uh, they, they continue in their life that goes contrary to God. And they're going to face judgment. And we have, we have a message that he desires for us to share openly and honestly with them. The two, two things, again, just to, to share with you of what we're to be prepared in. That's in prayer and that's, that's in loving others. As I, as I conclude this, I want you to think of these, these things that Jesus said. What's the true greatest commandments? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Guess what he says? Hey, pray. And, and when you pray, what are you doing? But connecting to God. Connecting, pursuing his will for your life. You're strengthening, you're, you're growing in that love you're, to obey that. I believe prayer is very much connecting with God and growing in that relationship. And then love for each other is the second one. Love your neighbor as yourself, the second part of that. Oh, why would Peter, of all people, why would Peter be talking? I mean, I've always looked at Peter as being that, that man. He's kind of a manly man. He's the one who always stood up. Uh, when Jesus was arrested, he pulled out his sword and, and, and started to attack. He didn't just threaten. He started, lobbed off a guy's ear. I, I don't know how easy that was, but, but he, he took a, guy, a guy's ear off. I mean, he was, he was ready to, to save Jesus from whatever was going to happen. Jesus had to put the ear back on. And, but it was, it was Peter then who denied him three times, as, Je, as Jesus said. And then when Jesus, the resurrected Lord, came, came there before Peter, he said, uh, Peter, do you love me? Remember that? He did it three times. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord. And that final time was that love that is sacrificial, that is deep. And each time he said, this is what's important. Feed my sheep. <laughs> Feed my sheep. Oh, man, are you not important? Are we not important to him? In, in what he's done for us. The end is coming. Are we ready? Are we prepared? We need to be pursuing that living, living that will of God in our lives. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you for this day. We praise you for every opportunity we have to open your word and examine it. Lord, we praise you for what Peter has for us. I ask, Father, that that uh, we might even take that opportunity to read this again, go through it, and, and, and see for ourselves to, to, to apply it to our hearts. Father, that it's not a message from your scripture that, that just is, is useless. But Father, I pray that your spirit will stir in our hearts that need for prayer. I pray, Father, that also that your spirit will affect us and, 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 uh, and direct us in loving each other. Lord, we, we pray that, that we're just looking to grow and uh, uh, be fashioned according to your love so that we can love others. Direct us, Father, in those things that we need within our lives to be pleasing before you. God, you're good to us, and we give you praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.